0: Hello and welcome to Return to Regalia on Underland Chronicles Reread Podcast. I'm Una.
1: I'm Nate. I'm John.
0: Welcome, you guys, to the twentieth anniversary special.
1: Yeah, it's good to be here.
2: Me as well. It's um, it's been a journey.
0: It has since two thousand three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This episode is going up on September first, twenty twenty three, yes. which is exactly twenty years since. Gregor the Overlander, the first book, came out. Do either of you know what the traditional gift to give your spouse on your 20th anniversary is? We were,
1: we were just talking about this at my work meeting, but I don't know. It's champagne you get the second year. I know there's wood at some point. Wood. Wood. Something made of wood. Like, in okay, th- something at, like actually wooden. Yeah.
0: Well, like, anniversaries have, there's like a wood anniversary, a paper anniversary.
2: But not divorce papers.
0: <laughs> 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 I feel like some um, of these
2: materials are much more high quality than others. That's well,
0: it gets better as it, it goes better. on. Oh,
2: that makes sense. So,
0: do you know what the 20th anniversary no. is? No. It's the China anniversary. Oh, Ooh. like in China. Yeah. So, you're That's supposed good. to give like, China to your spouse, nice. And I didn't know this, but apparently, wedding anniversaries have colors associated with them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what color?
1: I want to know who's making up all this. Yeah, like, <laughs>
0: I'm gonna, but is but it no, like? A, is it like?
1: It's it's gotta be a hyper specific color. If we're in the twenties, is it like? Hang on, gold, bronze, silver, platinum. Is it the platinum anniversary? Chartreuse. Uh,
0: <laughs> okay. Actually, it's funny you say platinum because. On the website that I was looking at, it had the traditional gift to give, which was China, and then the modern gift to give was platinum. Oh. But I think like the color or gemstone associated is the emerald. Oh, oh. no. Nice.
2: Um, hey, chartreuse is green. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of right.
0: Exactly. <laughs> and it's actually very fitting because Gregor's favorite color is green.
1: Oh, hey. wow. Yeah. She planned this whole thing from the beginning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's all been orchestrated. We're sitting here today because of Suzanne Collins's choices. Wow. So I thought it might be fun just to set the stage. We're going to travel back to 2003.
1: What's that? Like the Twilight zone. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to do the Doctor Who I theme thought that for was a second. Oh, do, I- which is
1: always time travel. Can you do
2: that, John? I don't know that um, one. Not well. Let's move on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So picture this. It's September 1st, 2003. George W. Bush is president. Uh, The Iraq war just started. Um, The Human Genome Project just finished sequencing 99% of the human genome. All
1: right.
0: Tesla, the electric car company, was founded earlier this year. And social networking service MySpace was just launched last month. We've come a long way since then. Mm -hmm. This year, 2003, our lexicons expanded to include words like binge watch, manscaping, and unfriend.
2: Wow. Those didn't exist before? I'm surprised
1: unfriend took that long. I guess Facebook wasn't a thing. Oh, in 2003. In 2003. Yeah. Oh, okay. What, what, what did you think? I thought it was like the current year. Now? You think <laughs> yeah. unfriending just? Yeah, that's why I was confused. Oh, you think
2: unfriending <laughs> hasn't been a term? And it just was coined well, by Una.
1: I think, no, like they mean like when it's added to the dictionary. Like Merriam-Webster is every year, is like, here's the new words, guys, and it's exciting. Oh. They're always like okay. five years out of date, I suppose. Uh-huh.
0: This is, according to Merriam-Webster, oh. the first time anyone used these words in print uh-huh. was oh, okay. 2003. Dang. Not necessarily when they were added to the dictionary.
1: I want to know who did manscaping and why. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The radio is playing fresh new hits like Crazy in Love by Beyonce featuring Jay-Z, Bring Me to Life by Evanescence, and Lose Yourself by Eminem. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, Gregor listened.
0: <laughs> he did. He, he never left <laughs> that
2: moment.
1: Though. He, 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 <laughs> Gregor, he captured that opportunity. He he could do anything he set his mind to, just like Eminem said. Just
0: like Eminem said. Gregor's
2: walking through the caves of a like, losing himself the midst.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> In theaters you can see the latest blockbusters like Finding Nemo, yeah. Freaky Friday, School of Rock. Oh, good movie. And holes. Nice. This is a, a good one. fucking good holes year is, for holes movies. Is and somewhere amidst all of that chaos is our humble protagonist Gregor
2: yeah an 11
0: year old boy in New York City
2: Gregor is nine years older than me no seven years older than me oh wow (laughs) if we're going by that age
1: Gregor is now he's like I'm doing the math he's 30 he's about 31 yeah okay oh wow he's got like a mortgage if he's doing well
0: (laughs) (laughs) so with the stage set let's get into some emails We asked everyone to email in with their fondest memories of reading the series, and I've compiled them here for us to read.
1: And we're going to read them in a mocking tone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can read yours in whatever tone you wish. Some of these have been edited down for time, but I really appreciate everyone who wrote in. So let's get started. This one goes, Hello, I've really enjoyed the podcast so far and saw the call for an email on your Tumblr, so I decided to respond. The first book was released the same year I was born, so I got into it late. My dad gave it to me in seventh grade, and I quickly became obsessed and finished the whole series. Once I finished it, I was disappointed with the ending, so I searched for an alternate ending. Thus, I found the wonderful world of fanfiction.net. I fell in love reading fic after fic with my favorite characters. Eventually, I thought, maybe I could write one? So I did, and it was bad. But I kept going and realized that I love writing. So I kept writing. I'm still working on an ongoing fic that I update pretty regularly, but I plan on switching to a, quote, professional project soon. So one could say that these books are the reason I ever found my love of writing. I will be forever grateful for that and still reread these books all the time. Hermes.
1: That's nice.
0: That's really sweet. I actually relate super hard to this because I had a very similar experience, not with Underland Chronicles, but with Maximum Ride in middle school, because I think it was like seventh or eighth grade, what was supposed to be the last book in the series came out. And I read it in like one day, and I was so disappointed (laughs) that I immediately was like, I could write a better ending than this.
1: The confidence. I love it.
0: Yeah, as like a 13-year-old or whatever. I dove into fanfiction.net also, and I wrote a bunch of really, really, really bad fanfiction, (laughs) and that's how I discovered that I wanted to be an author. So that's like a very similar story. I liked that a lot.
2: I bet you could write a better Max and White book now.
0: I think the one that I wrote at 13 years old was better than James (laughs) Patterson's.
2: I haven't read the series,
1: but probably. I've from heard I, from your, what I've heard of the last one. From your, from your eyewitness account of the wreckage.
0: Yeah, I was in the trenches. <laughs> I was in the Max Ride trenches in middle school.
1: <laughs> all right. I have a single grain of rice in my throat. <laughs> like a beautiful pearl.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. I gotta say, Gregor the Overlander means a lot to me. Like, all caps, a lot. It was one of the first books that really got me into reading when I was eight and my love for it has only gotten greater. I used to bring it with me everywhere and read it all the time, especially outside, even when it was raining. I'd just be sitting there trying to cover the book with some toys or something because it just would not do to interrupt my 13th reading of Gregor. And I didn't have the book to myself, so I'd get it from the library. And I am astonished that there were no complaints about the state those books were in when I was done with them. And I am fairly certain that I'm the person who borrowed it the most times, though I live in a small town, so I guess that isn't very much of an accomplishment. I can't really pick a favorite book. They're all really good. But I must say Marks of Secret or Coat of Claw, because everything gets heavier then, and they also break the rigid quest structure that the first three books have. A favorite character, though, I can't really choose here either. But let's just say Rip Red, because he is awesome, and when I was 12 I wanted to name my firstborn after him, but like who wouldn't? <laughs> <laughs> so, too true. I like Ares a lot too, though. Most people treated him like crap, and he was basically doomed for a shitty life since Henry turned traitor. And then he died at the end. I remember that hit me so hard when I was eight. Like, I just felt so profoundly sad. I remember just sitting on my bed and telling my mom, I feel so sad. And because I was a melodramatic little shit, I would just add to myself, quote, depressed, which is a word I think Underland taught me too. Why are these books so terrible? With two question marks. (laughs) Gregor the Overlander has really been a big part of my life. I didn't really have friends at school, so I'd just walk around on my own and recite the prophecies in two different languages. I used to randomly write down stuff in the Tree of Transmission, which I still know to this day, when there was something I wanted to write but didn't want anyone to read. I honestly don't think I'd have been the person I am today without these books. They inspired in me so many things, like a love of poetry, but also a deeper understanding of war. I don't think I would have looked at war the way I do if it hadn't been for these books. They really paint a picture that makes it clear that, yeah, despite what you're told, War actually fucking sucks for everyone involved. Thank you guys for making this podcast. It means the world to a Gregor fan like me. And this is from, and I'm going to get this right, all caps, Gregor, Gregor, Gregor. (laughs) One word. Thank you for the letter.
0: Yeah, thanks so much.
1: That's fucking cool that you have the tree of transmission memorized still. Yeah. Yeah, memorizing conlangs
2: is like a feat that's incredibly impressive to me.
0: I feel like for a while as a kid, I also had a phase where I just wrote everything in like the code of claw. Nice. But the issue was because my brother and I only ever read the audiobooks and never got the physical books. We didn't actually like have the tree of transmission image. Oh
1: shit. Because
0: the audiobook doesn't say the chart. It just says no. that there is a chart. <coughs> You'll
2: you- make up your own tree of transmission.
0: I think that I had just... Found it online at one point, and I used that, but I didn't have my own copy of the tree. But yeah, the Aries death also got me really bad as a kid. The way my brother and I listened to the audiobooks was... So my room was like halfway down the hallway, and then my brother's was at the end of the hall, and we would set up a boombox in the hallway so that we could both hear from our rooms and play the CDs that we got from the library. And when like a CD ended, like one of us would have to go like put in the next one. (laughs) But when it got to Aries' death, it was like pretty late at night and I wasn't even sure. Like we would just fall asleep listening to it and like let the CD run out. And just like in the morning, try and figure out or the next night, try and figure out like where we had fallen asleep. And it was pretty late by the time the Aries death scene happened. But I remember getting out of bed to go change the disc or just turn the boombox off. And I was just like so shocked and sad and I got out into the hallway and saw that my brother was also standing in the hallway and he just looked so sad Uh and we were just like kind of staring at each other like, I can't believe that happened. That's just like a memory that I'll always have of us being so sad together. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a pretty like universal
2: experience of reading these as kids. (laughs) I mean, I read it as a college student and it got me, so... I first encountered Underland Chronicles around 8. My mom read the first book to me and my brother every night, and it's one of my favorite memories. Every night she read a couple chapters and put on voices, and I looked forward to it every night. After that, I devoured the rest of, my, of the series on my own in one go, and did so again and again and again. To this day, more than 10 years later, I still reread them, and they're still my favorite series. It's my comfort series, the one I come back to more than anything else. Logan. Yeah. Thanks for your email, Logan. Um, this resonates with me. I also love reading books and voices. Um, both when I was a kid, my mom would do that with me and I do that with my sister as well, who's much younger, which is very fun. There was one time where she, um, said don't do the voices because I was apparently doing a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah. That stung. But yes, this is, this is great. Comfort series are so good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, this is definitely one of my comfort series along with Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson's mm-hmm. mine. Like, I can just pick up these books and go to any point in the audiobook or turn to any page and I'll know exactly what's happening. Yeah.
1: Hello. I've been listening to your podcast since its first episode and find it to be one of the highlights of my week whenever a new episode comes out.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: <laughs> TUC has been my favorite series since I read them in middle school many years ago. The main memory I associate with reading the books came years after reading them. The darkness of the Underland is hard to comprehend, and when I read the books, it usually was outside in the sun, making visualizing this even more difficult. I didn't come to realize just how dark the Underland must be until I did a tour of Mammoth Cave National Park. We were miles into the cave when the guide turned off the lights, plunging us into total darkness. Absolute darkness is only possible in these conditions, and it is so dark that when you open your eyes and look at your hand, your brain places images in your mind that look like a shadowy version of your hand, even though it is impossible to see your hand in front of you. It was a fascinating experience that made me appreciate the setting of TUC even more. In terms of picking a favorite book out of the series, that's a difficult task. I thoroughly enjoyed all of them, but The Curse of the Warm Bloods probably stands out as my favorite. This book had my favorite quest ensemble, a unique location different than most of the Underland, had some great scenes, one of which was my favorite scene in the book, and an excellent plot twist at the end that begins to make Gregor question if the conflict in the Underland is as black and white as it first seems. My favorite character in the series is probably Rip Red. <laughs> However, Twitch Tip comes in as a close second. Ripred is my favorite character for several reasons. His tragic backstory, sarcastic quips, skill as a rager, and general knowledge and badassery compared to most creatures and humans in the Underland makes him stand out among the many memorable characters in the series. There are so many good scenes in the books that were memorable. However, my favorite scene in the series is in Curse of the Warmbloods, when Gregor was cleaning Lapblood's fur and showing her compassion that no one else would. This moment stands out as it helps demonstrate Gregor's compassion to someone who is supposed to be the enemy, showcasing why he is such a likable protagonist. It also is important as it is Lapblood who gathers Rebel Nars against the Bane later in the series, and I believe that this act of kindness was the catalyst for that and even possibly help the Regalians win the war. Without Gregor's kindness here, the series might have turned out very different and adds to the reason why this scene is so important to me. Thanks again for hosting a wonderful podcast, and I look forward to hearing the 20th anniversary special and many more episodes after that. Fly you high, Valk.
0: Aww, thank you.
1: I wanted this one just because I've been to Mammoth Caves and it's sick. I should have more to add there. Yes, it's in Tennessee. It's very dark. They told us when I went that they like one time this guy decided to go off the trail and he got lost oh. and they turned off the lights and he like was trying to see using the flashlight on his phone, but he couldn't. So he just like hunkered down in the cave and just sat there for like 12 hours until the next oh tour came God. through. Oh so, my God. Yeah. That guy needs to read the <laughs> Underline Chronicles because he would get it. Um, wow. But yeah, this is really cool. I love your analysis of like... Gregor's kindness to laugh Blood is maybe what helps her decide to help them.
0: Yeah, like, that's a cool theory I hadn't considered before.
1: Fellow Rip Red fans,
0: yes, coming out in
2: droves. <laughs> yeah, happy.
0: Yeah, I have also. I haven't been to, um, Mammoth Cave, but I have been to another like cave tour that does the same thing. Like they turn mm-hmm. off all the lights and explain about like cave darkness. And that moment has stuck with me forever. Like, mm-hmm. I went on this cave tour as a kid, and I still remember, like, trying to see my hand in front of my face and stuff.
1: And you see, like, this weird, like, blue shadow, like. Yeah. Like,
2: if is trying to fill in the blanks. Yeah. What it knows should be there, but.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really, it's nothing like anything that you've experienced above ground. It's literally only possible deep underground.
1: And it is so true that, like, whenever I picture scenes from the Underland Chronicles, I always imagine that they're like lit from above, but I'm like, no, it's not.
0: Like, it's literally always dark. Yeah, it's taken many rereads to be able to picture the darkness properly, I think. But yeah, let's do some trivia. All right. Let's take a little intermission from the emails and do some trivia.
1: All right, John, I'm excited to see if, like, if your knowledge of Disney trivia will transfer here, if there's just, like, an innate <laughs> skill within you for trivia. There
2: are a lot of mice and rats in Disney films. That's true. So okay. That won't do anything, I'm imagining, <laughs> but if there's a Ratatouille question, I'll know it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah. In the back of the Gregor the Overlander paperback, there is something called the Afterwords, and it has a bunch of little bonus features basically for the book. There's like an interview with Suzanne Collins and some games to play, and then there's a section on like fun facts about the animals that appear in the Underland Chronicles. So I went through the fun facts (laughs) and I created some questions for John and Nate to answer and they are going to compete to win. I don't have a prize for you guys. You just get bragging rights.
2: Which I will take advantage of.
0: (laughs) So I have nine questions total. The first seven here are going to be, you both answer, and the one who guesses the closest wins. Okay. okay. Oh,
1: interesting. Okay. okay.
0: So, um, question- Seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> question one. How many miles per hour can a cockroach run?
1: I don't know if I want to know this.
2: Run. Not fly. Run. Run. This smaller is the problem. Yeah, that's true. A mile for a cockroach is a lot. I'm going to overestimate this, but I'm going to say 20. I'm going to say
0: five. Nate wins. Oh, what was it? A cockroach can run three miles per hour. Wow.
2: Well, I guess that's better.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't want to see it. (laughs) That's not as
2: bad as I
1: was thinking.
0: And I'm keeping track of your points. Oh,
1: shit. All right.
0: Two. A colony of 150 big brown bats can protect farmers from up to how many million rootworms per summer? The answer is between zero and a hundred.
2: So, so in a million. So, so like millions. it could be like, like one million to hundred million. Okay. Yes. And there's... Okay. How many bats is it? 150 bats?
0: 150 bats can protect farmers from how many rootworms? Okay. 150 bats,
1: about 120 days in the summer. Ooh, that's a good point. I'm trying to think how many rootworms per bat. They, it can't be. They don't eat each a million because it's less than 100 million. And I can't multiply by other numbers. It's so <laughs> hard. Um, I'm going to say 100 million. All the bats eat a large amount of worms. Well, if we're doing gamesmanship, then I'm going to do 50 million.
0: John wins. Um, They can eat up to 33 million uh, rootworms per summer.
2: I should have done like 99 million.
0: (laughs) 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 Question three. For how many minutes can cockroaches hold their breath?
1: Fun story. My friend told me her mom used to kill cockroaches by squashing them and then dropping them in a pot of boiling water and i said that's weird and she's like you haven't seen my kitchen (laughs) um i think 10 minutes i feel like they can hold it for a while i'm gonna say 20
2: because they got to be able to hold it longer than humans can oh that's true can you hold your breath for 10 minutes some human i i can hold i can't hold it for two (laughs) i'm sure some people can i'm gonna
0: say 20 John wins. The answer is 40 minutes. Oh, th- yeah. I don't like that. That's not a
1: good
2: answer. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's got to be boiling. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Question four. Spiders grow by shedding their skin or molting. Mm-hmm. Up to how many times does a spider typically molt before it reaches maturity?
1: Oh. Well, when does a spider reach maturity? Yeah. question has a bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> How long do spiders? Even That's live? an excellent question. I feel like bugs is. bugs mature pretty fast. Yeah, I'm gonna say th- three times. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say ten
2: times. Mm-hmm. I think it's more than three.
0: John is correct. Uh, spiders will molt anywhere from four to twelve times. Oh wow. well.
2: Well, hmm, if it's four to
0: twelve and. But Next I said, three. I said to give the upper bound. Oh, okay. So we can I didn't, still, I didn't hear. You got closer to 12. <laughs> I got closer to 12. Yeah. And I guess you were
2: technically outside the range. I guess. Whatever. Statistics.
0: Question five. Cockroaches can withstand temperatures as cold as how many degrees Fahrenheit? It's got to get into the negatives. I'm going to uh-huh. say
2: negative, negative 40 degrees.
1: I'm going to
0: say 32 because I, well,
1: no way I, Because humans have water in them, but humans don't freeze when it's 32. Like, the water in us doesn't crystallize. You could say negative 100.
0: You should have trusted your gut. It's 32 degrees. What? do they just freeze? Wait, cockroaches are weaker than humans? (laughs) We win. Well, we have our own, like, heat generated within us. Like, cockroaches are cold-blooded. Oh, Right. But yeah, cockroaches um, can withstand temperatures as cold as thirty-two degrees. how can they survive
1: a nuclear bomb? Well, I guess it wouldn't be cold, or necessarily. Can they survive Wisconsin? Is the real question. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if they sneak into your home, they can. Okay. So I think John technically got that. Yes.
1: Yeah. I would have. Th- I thought you
2: had gotten it. I mm-hmm. thought they could.
0: If you had anything. stuck with your gut, uh, yeah, you would have
2: nailed it too. My cockroach
0: gut. Question six. Female rats can produce up to how many litters of pups per year? Ooh, how many litters? Yeah. How many pups? How many litters? It's the gestation cycle. Yeah. Oh, I feel like...
2: I've talked about the, with this, this with somebody, and I feel like it's gotta have been with you, Una. Like, we must have had this conversation at some point. I, I'm not... I don't talk to, about rats with anyone else.
1: I think... Well, I was gonna say because they don't have to just have the babies; they have to like nurse them. Yeah. So to survive, I'm gonna say four. I'm gonna say three. I'm thinking like
2: they have like a four month cycle. Okay.
0: Nate wins. Uh, it's eight litters a year. What right the fuck?
2: One month, like that's like, wow. That's eight a lot of rats. Litters,
0: yeah, and that's each like litter. And half months. Each litter can have up to twenty rats in it. Oh my god. So, uh,
1: so do they just say like pack your shit and get out, like fend for yourself?
0: Um. Yeah. Well, I think. They probably grow up pretty fast. That's
1: true. That's 160
2: oh, wow. babies a
0: year. When Rupert lost his family in the Garden of Asperities, <laughs> it,
1: was, it was like a lot. It was rough.
0: All right. Question seven. The common brown bat of North America is the world's longest living mammal for its size. Mm. How long can they live? For its size.
1: That's that's a low bar. Yeah, rats only live like two or three years. I'm going to say 30 years. I'm going to say
0: seven. John gets it. 32 years. God
1: damn. There's bats older than me. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Wow.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that is the end of the first part of this trivia. I have two more questions, and these are from the interview with Suzanne Collins. Ooh. Um so th- these ones the answers aren't numbers so this is going to be whoever says the correct answer first. Ooh, okay. But you can say like multiple answers. Okay. okay. So question 8 when asked which of her characters she'd like to have dinner with, which Underland Chronicles character did Suzanne Collins pick? Rip Red. Yup. <laughs> oh. See,
2: she knows what's up. She knows right. She knows what she's done. Right? Um,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, we all want to wine and dine with Rip Red.
0: Yeah. Dinner
1: and breakfast. She said... <laughs> and everything in between. <laughs> I hate you so much.
0: <laughs> Suzanne Collins said she would pick Ripred because he would have the most interesting stories. Yeah, That's sure. true. Yeah, <laughs> tell yourself what you
2: want, Suzanne.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and then question nine. In that same interview answer, Collins also says that after dinner, she and Ripred would play a board game. Which board game?
1: Mouse Trap. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, whisk? Oh. oh chess.
0: No. It's
2: got to be like a brainy game. game, like what it's got to be like a scheming game. Um, oh, what's it called? Stratego. No. Oh, you already said Risk. I said Risk. Guess who? No. That's <laughs> uh, Battleship.
0: No. What's like? It's a
2: board game. It's right? a board game. Because I wouldn't have picked a board game because he wouldn't have been able to maneuver the pieces I think as well. Could move it a little
0: bit. You're, I don't think about that. Okay. It's a pretty popular board game. Okay.
2: Clue. No, oh, you're getting there. Good. Okay. It's not Guess Who. It's you said Guess Who.
0: This is also a pretty, like,
1: old game. Is it Monopoly? No. Cluedo? No. Trivial That's Pursuit. No. <laughs> That's funny. It's old. It's not. Othello?
0: No. Go. Backgammon? No. Uh, not, not like, super old. I'm just okay. saying it's, it's been around for a while. Like, it's not some new obscure game.
2: Yahtzee? No. Uh,
0: Board game. Not a dice or a card game. Sorry. No, we're just
2: gonna name like every. Yeah, I know. I'm, i feel like I'm running out of.
0: Should I just tell you? No, we don't we don't get, it get
2: it. We're not leaving till we get it. <laughs> Candyland. No. Scrabble. Yes. What oh, the wow? Yeah, it's really. Scrabble. Yeah, I would no- that would not have
0: been my guess. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, she said she would play Scrabble with Rip Red after dinner. Okay, that
1: I guess Scrabble is a is a is a board game where you kind of find out about the other person from what words they choose.
0: All right. We- let me just tally your points quick.
1: It was close,
2: I think.
0: Nate has one, two, three, four. Yes. And John has <laughs> one,
2: two, three, four, five. Ooh. Wow.
0: That's right. close, though. Yeah. Yeah. Nice.
1: Nice playing with you. Good game. Good, Good game.
0: game. Very fun.
1: <laughs> I'm going to beat the shit out of you after. <laughs> <laughs> like, later. Like, outside. I'm going to walk you to the door, and you're not even going to see it coming. Just by the way. <laughs>
0: Um, thanks for playing, guys. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's the next email. I must have been eight when we first borrowed the Gregor the Overlander audiobook from our library. We had a long car ride to a family vacation every year. I remember the van we used to drive in had a very loud engine. My parents were playing the audiobook in the front, and I just couldn't hear it in the back. I remember some mention of someone named Vicus, and someone named Luke Sir. (laughs) After my parents finished the audiobook, they asked us what we thought of the story, and when they found out we couldn't hear it, they immediately replayed it at a higher volume. From that point, these books became my whole personality. I became obsessed with bats, and tried to get everyone I knew to read it. Every year, we would check out a new Gregor audiobook from the library rip the files to my mom's iPod, and have that to listen to for the trip. One year for Halloween, I wanted to dress up as a bat. It was legitimately my favorite Halloween costume I had, even though it was a little scrappy. It consisted of a felt shirt and pants with this translucent black fiber for wing membranes between the legs and under the arms. Then there were felt-covered cardboard ears stapled onto a dollar store black masquerade mask. The Code of Claw audiobook wasn't in our library yet, but the book was. My brother read it and decided he wanted to dress up as Gregor in the armor he has on the cover. Retroactively, my bat costume became an Aries costume so that we would go together. That was probably the best Halloween I had in my entire Mm -hmm. life. Obviously, no one knew who we were dressed as, but that was normal for us. I wish we lived in a world where kids could wear Aries costumes and immediately be recognized. (laughs) Amen to that. Yeah. Suffice to say, Ares is my favorite character. My brother was light on spoilers, but he couldn't help but let slip that he died in the coat of claw. Oh. When I finally did get around to listening to the audiobook, there was just this looming dread hanging over me waiting for it to happen. I didn't know how it would happen, just that it was coming. I remember finishing it and feeling like I could never be happy again. <laughs> A member of my writer's group picked up Gregor, organically, this wasn't from me nagging them, Mm -hmm. this summer, and triggered me to do a full reread along with them. I actually found the ending a lot more hopeful and sweet this time around. I guess that's just part of growing up. Fly you high, Keaton, also known as Quohotos, who is the person who makes the fan art on Tumblr. Yeah, thank you for your email and for all the fan art. Yes, yes. It's amazing. It's awesome. Wow!
1: First of all, I love the road trip experience. of <laughs> Just like
0: not being able yeah, to hear it, and yeah. your parents were like, "No, the kids have to hear this." <laughs> I'm just re-listening to the whole book.
1: Yeah, that's some dedication. That's
0: awesome.
2: The 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 sibling dressing up as like obscure characters that you love mm-hmm. is like, and not even caring if you recognize really is. I relate to that hard. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing, amazing memory to have. And that sounds like a sick costume. Yeah, yeah.
1: Gregor and the That's
2: Yeah,
1: armored Gregor. Yeah, I don't. You must have the book with that color. I don't cover. I don't remember what it looks like though.
0: I I don't remember. I'm blanking right now.
1: I guess he wears black armor, right? Is yeah, it, yeah, yeah.
0: He's got black armor in that book.
1: I'm also. I'm just impressed that like you read one book a year. Like your parents were just like, okay. We're gonna save this for when we when we can keep the kids quiet.
0: I thought maybe it was like they had read uh, they had read it other times outside of the car trip, but that. for the car trip they needed to pick an audiobook to drive to. That makes sense. That's how it worked in our family. Uh huh. Uh huh. Even if we had already read or listened to an audiobook, we had to have one for mm-hmm. the yearly family vacation drive up north, mm-hmm. and it was always either gregor percy jackson or harry potter
1: nice we watched the b movie a lot (laughs) in the car (laughs) yeah oh you were one of those kids with the tvs in the car messing around oh bougie (laughs) yeah that's and also yeah the ending would seem way more hopeful to an adult than a kid that's cool
0: yeah (laughs) lily and i had a discussion a while Mm -hmm. back that we had to stop ourselves so that we could save it for the podcast but i love the ending of the gregor books and lily was saying that she found them really disappointing mm-hmm. and we were having this debate and she admitted that she hadn't reread the ending since she was a kid and i have always wondered if that like contributes to how someone uh-huh, thinks about uh-huh. the ending cuz like mm-hmm. when i was a kid and i read the books i was devastated by the ending and i was like that can't be the end that's so unfair but now i read them and i'm like no, that's right. Like, that's mm-hmm. how it goes, you know? It's a, it's
2: a very, it's a bit of a bittersweet ending, but it's, it doesn't feel like a downer ending to me. It does feel
1: like a good, healthy mix mm-hmm. of sadness mixed with optimism.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, it's kind of strange to imagine that his life will go on after this adventure without the adventure. But like, it will. It'll get... It gets better. (laughs) They say.
2: You were joking earlier about how like he's in his 30s now and like what he's doing now, but like I really can't imagine him after the series. There's some characters I'm like, I bet I can picture what they'd be doing when they're older. Gregor's like, he's always stuck in this era of his life to me.
0: Mm -hmm. There's some fanfic that is like set when Gregor is an adult which is pretty interesting if you're ever interested in delving into the world of fan fiction.
1: I mm-hmm. like he could work at like a nature preserve. Oh,
0: he'd be like, good at that. Yeah.
1: He could be a uh, mammoth cave tour guide. Yes.
0: Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: First of all, I love the podcast. It makes my Monday morning bike rides to work so much better and it's cool to finally hear other people talking about a series that changed my brain chemistry. Same. (laughs) I read these books for the first time when I was nine years old because my best friend recommended them to me over and over and over. Since then, I've read the whole series so many times, and I continue to notice new things each read. On the most recent reread, I noticed how much this series helped introduce me to coping with loss and the different ways people grieve. The Underland Chronicles doesn't shy away from death, and it has helped me get through the loss of multiple people in a healthier way than I would have otherwise. The themes of loss, death, and war are ones that I come back to with a new perspective every time, and those themes are all wrapped up in a beautiful story with incredible characters. Luxa is my favorite. Go traumatize Attitude Girl Supreme. Cheers, Anna.
0: Thanks for your email. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and shout out to riding the bike to work. Thanks for saving the environment. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's something that I always really liked about this series, too, is how much it's about grief and learning to deal with that. And I feel like that has also influenced the ways that I have thought about real-world loss as well.
2: Hi. I first listened to the Underland Chronicles audiobooks when I was seven years old. I was a sort of unusual seven-year-old. I'd already seen Mononoke, Nausicaa, and Castle in the Sky. I had read the first Hunger Games. I was exposed to my fair share of violence, gore, and death in stories. Nothing that happened in the first three books fazed me all that much. I loved them, the characters, the world, the story. I was anxious during the fourth book, it felt like everything was going wrong, and I could tell the stakes were ramping up. Thalia was devastating, of course, but nothing, nothing could have prepared me for Ares' death. I still remember exactly where I was, what was happening. I was supposed to be cleaning the living room, but I was lying on the couch instead. I was too devastated to even get up to change the disc when it ended. My mom had to come in from the next room to do it. I wouldn't talk to her. I think I cried, but all I really remember is feeling numb, inconsolable. I didn't really remember much of the book beyond Gregor waking up and soaking his hand. I just had a vague impression of Rip Red and Luxor bonding, the family going home, and an uncertain and melancholy future. I listened to and read the others many times, but it took almost 10 years before I could listen to that book again. I still cry for almost an hour every time I read it. Ares' death is horrible and unfair and wonderful because I got it. I really got it. Awful in the truest sense of the word. The Underland Chronicles have stuck with me in a way very few other books ever have. It's hard to explain to people who aren't in the fandom, But given the premise of this podcast, I expect you'll understand. Mm -hmm. It's how I still try to avoid killing cockroaches whenever possible. It's how I always make sure to visit the bats anytime I'm at the zoo. And how it's a joy and sad occasion all at once. It's how I gasped aloud and said, Oh my god, it's the Bane! When I saw a large white rat with a stump tail. It's how I nearly cried with joy and relief when I found the TUC fandom on Tumblr. Because it was the first time I found anyone who understood. So thank you, Suzanne Collins, for writing these books that stuck with me. Thank you, TUC fandom, for giving me a place to love them. And thank you, Return to Regalia, for giving me a way to share these thoughts. Signed, The Sea Witch.
0: Thank you, The Sea Witch. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's
2: amazing. Damn. First off, amazing amazing media you were exposed to. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, those um, Studio Ghibli movies are my favorites. That's yeah. always
2: when you can see like your favorite stories and characters in the real world. Like you see something here, and it reminds you of the fiction. That's yeah. It's it's a great feeling.
1: I love that. I love that you visit the bats every time.
0: Yeah, just like Gregor. That's really
2: good. Avoiding killing cockroaches is also a feat in itself. Honestly, that's yeah. I, that's brave. That's an uphill strong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
1: God, I I always I feel like. Like I forgot that Aries death like Aries dies and Gregor just goes back to the real world or not the real world, the the overland. And it's kind of wild that like, and that's the end of the series and and it's just like, well, like yeah, that would be it's that would be rough.
0: devastating, especially as a kid. but yeah, that's why it, it sticks with you so much. Like, not even just the Aries thing, but there are so many scenes throughout all of the books that just stick with you because they're so visceral or, like, so well-described. You can picture them perfectly. It's a really memorable series. It's really good. Yeah.
2: I like the mention of the Bane because that's the, like, that's the character, aside from maybe Red who, like, sticks out in my head the most. Like, I Mm -hmm. fully know what the Bane looks like from the descriptions.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Hello, this is editing Una from a day after we recorded. Although the deadline to send in emails was last Sunday, today I received another submission that I simply cannot exclude from the episode. This is what it says. My name is Ava. I am 12 years old. I have just read the Underland Chronicles for the first time in 2023. I am a huge fan of the books and your podcast. Here is my submission for a comment of the series. Thank you. My two most treasured and also scorned memories from reading the series are I had a vivid dream where Rudd just went and fetched my favorite character Twitch tip during the fifth book before shortly finding out that she was in fact dead. And two... The time that, while at a peaceful family breakfast, I stumbled my way onto a TUC website and clicked on Ares' profile, only to find out that he dies, two books early. Not only that, but in the middle of comparing Primrose and Ares expressing how similar they are during the episode, I was accidentally spoiled about her death in a very familiar way. Sent from my iPhone. Ava, thank you so much for your email. I really appreciate you taking the time to write in. I'm so glad that you like the Gregor books and that you're enjoying the podcast. I'm sorry about how much we swear. It sucks that you got Ares' death spoiled for you two books early. And I'm sorry that we accidentally spoiled Hunger Games for you too. We're going to keep having spoilers for the rest of the Underland Chronicles, but in the future, we're going to try and give better warnings about spoilers for other media. Thanks again for your wonderful email. It brought a smile to my face on my lunch break at work today. Now back to Una, Nate, and John from yesterday. Yeah, did you guys want to add anything? Like talk about oh. favorite characters or scenes?
1: Dang, I, I would have prepared like a statement. Yeah. I got to follow up all this. I'm just kind of spitballing here. Well, you don't have to. No, it's okay. <laughs> okay. We both huh. have lip readers
2: and favorite. We character. do. You got the chapters, which I'm not that salty about.
1: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I guess I would say that these books changed my life also. And I I relate to the person who said they told their friends to read them over and over because you were like, yeah, we got to listen to these. And I was like, all right, I guess like I wasn't I wasn't sure about it. But yeah, good, good books changed my life. Rip read. I am single. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've, I've, I've talked about this
2: before, but Uno, you're the one who introduced these books to me. Yeah. Um, I had heard of them, but I had never read them before. I probably wouldn't have read them if not for your recommendation. Yeah. And I'm just think I just realized, I feel like this was maybe like the earliest, like, because you recommended me a lot of books of these. I feel like this might have been like maybe the first books that I remember
0: yeah getting
2: like a suggestion from you on like yeah. I don't I don't remember if there were any there were several after but I don't think there were any before this I
0: feel like this was second year yeah because I remember being in Saints and Superheroes yes and you were like reading the book before yes. class started that's right I, I have nice. a vivid memory of that I did oh. do that
1: that's how you know it's a good book when you're just like, I need to be, I a- need to be reading this every minute.
2: Who cares about essays? <laughs> yeah,
0: like every class period, we would show up and I'd be like, How far did you get? <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, I made Nate listen to the audiobooks on oh, yeah. way to work every day yeah. for months. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I really was like, we would just get like 15 minutes of it at a time, and then it's like the Adventures of Gregor are for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah we live yeah, pretty close to Yeah, actually, that's, that's good. That was a, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you
2: move you move downtown just so you can get more <laughs> audiobook time <Yeah>. every day.
0: Yeah. <sighs> Well, thanks so much for joining me, you guys. Yeah, yeah thanks this for is, having us.
2: It's a one. It's a little once-in-a-lifetime moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. It will never be a 20th anniversary of to Gregor to the Orlando again.
0: We'll have one for the 25th anniversary. <laughs> yes. But yeah. Thank you to everyone who sent in emails to help us celebrate this amazing series. And thank you for listening to the podcast. I want to give an especially big thank you to Willow and Quohotos for donating to us on Ko-Fi last week.
1: Oh shit, nice.
0: If you want to throw a few dollars our way, you can find the link to our Ko-Fi in the pinned post on our Tumblr, return to regalia.tumblr.com. Don't forget to follow us there as well as on Instagram and YouTube so you never miss an update. Again, thank you for listening and participating and fly you high.
1: Fly you high. Fly you high.